0: Let's, uh, let's read, shall we? Uh, my reading uh, for this evening is uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 2, um, and uh, that's uh, on page 1174 in, uh, in the Pew Bibles, if you're uh, reading from there, the heading, Made Alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions in sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy,
1: Our second reading is from John chapter 15, verses 1 to
2: 17.
1: I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other.
3: Well, thank you, uh, Tim, for giving me this opportunity to come and speak to you tonight. And thank you again uh, that we can meet together. And uh, it's good, isn't it, that we... uh, Although we're close by, we don't often do this, and it's good that we can take this opportunity every now and then uh, to meet together. And as we open up God's Word this evening, it is a well-known passage, and it starts with the last of Jesus' I Am sayings in John's Gospel. I am the true vine. And you might be thinking, well, where does this fit in with the Easter accounts? Well, it was prompted to me uh, on a recent visit uh, to Ypres in Belgium, where I was able to visit several uh, museums and battlefields and cemeteries honouring the fallen of World War I. And I'm sure there may be uh, others here who have made similar trips in the past. It is, of course, the 100th anniversary of the commencement of the Great War, as World War I is often called. And there are many ceremonies and um, activities planned to commemorate that fact. And in Ypres, there is, in fact, a ceremony every night at 8pm where the last post is sounded at the Menin Gate, which is a memorial to over 50,000 British and Commonwealth soldiers with no known grave. And this has been going on every night without exception apart from the period of occupation during the Second World War, uh, when it happened to take place in the UK, this has been going on by a grateful Belgian people every night since 1928. And I'm sure if you've ever been to it, you will agree that it is a very moving ceremony. And it got me thinking about remembrance. Now, I know this is not what we call Remembrance Sunday, But yet, if you are a Christian believer here tonight, it surely is a time of remembrance. I got to thinking, how long might it be before the memories of the Great War begin to fade? Before the ceremonies are stopped and the museums close down for the lack of interest? I hope not for a very long time. And then I began to reflect on how well we commemorate and honour the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus made for us nearly two thousand years ago. And I don't know if the screen's going to come up. If I just click that one, what we've got, no, here we go. Yes, we're on that side. And I want to ask uh, the question tonight: How well do we remember? And then. Why do we remember? Thirdly, what do we remember? And fourthly, what is our call to action? How well do we remember? Well, let's start with perhaps a slightly negative picture. Um, I was pleased to hear that I think you were fairly packed out here this morning. Uh, we had a pretty good crowd next door uh, in Rehoboth. But in our churches and open air services this weekend, somewhere between 6 and 15% of our population might have attended an Easter service. That's based on a 2007 survey, which was the latest one that I could find. And some 66% over two-thirds of the population would not have been in any Easter service or celebration this weekend. They are out of touch with church. According to Tearfund, Fund, two-thirds of UK adults, that's around about 32 million people, have no connection with church at present or any other religion. And this secular majority presents a major challenge to churches. Most of those are unreceptive and closed to attending church. Church Church-going is simply not on their agenda. And that was in 2007, and those figures may have changed slightly by now. Um, So for most people, Easter is not a time of remembrance. It's not a time to wear a poppy or take part in a minute's silence. It's probably just a welcome break from work and school and college. And of course there's that quaint tradition involving lots of chocolate, which I know we are not exempt from. For those of us who do remember and have been to church this weekend, or are here tonight, it is perhaps the most emotionally challenging time of all. It's a time when we feel the guilt of our sinful nature as we picture Jesus suffering in the agony of the cross, the darkest day. And then, along with the disciples, a time of wonderment, verging on disbelief, if I can say that, at the discovery of the empty tomb. How can this be? And then, rising in a crescendo of emotion and joyfulness as we're confronted with the risen Lord Jesus on Easter Sunday. Oh, what a morning we sing. He is alive. He is risen. Death is defeated. And we certainly enjoyed singing those hymns this morning, as I'm sure you did. But the question has to be put, not coming up, to the 66% or so who never come to church, do they know what they are missing? Do they know? Well, let's move on and think, why do we remember? Let's go on from the negative and let's consider why we who are here are here to remember our Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Firstly, it is an act of thanksgiving. It's thankfulness to our Saviour Jesus Christ who went to the cross and suffered and died. Thankfulness that Jesus died for all men and all generations. He died for you and he died for me and for all those who don't even know him. It's often said of soldiers who died in the wars that they died that others might live. And we are grateful for our present freedoms, which owe so much to their sacrifice. Yet those soldiers did not know me, and certainly many of them, given the choice, would not have died for me, It's an act of renewal. Renewal at the joy of our salvation. Do you remember the moment, the hour, when you first believed? That moment of amazing grace? Does it fade over the years? Do you need to reaffirm the commitment you first gave? Confessions of your sin? Repentance for things in your life? which are not as they should be, I do pray that if any of us are here tonight, just because it's a tradition to go to church at Easter, that you think again not of a tradition, but of what the crucified Saviour has done for you. Turn to him tonight, throw down the burden of your sins and experience the joy of his forgiveness. Thirdly, it's an act of glorification, glory to the Father, as we bring our praise and our worship. Yes, our numbers in percentage terms may be small, but yet we are many. We are like the shoots from the stump of Jesse, the branch which will bear fruit. And we, the church, bear testimony to the resurrected Saviour, Fourthly, we remember because we have a hope for a better future. Remembering our history is important because we want to learn from the past. We don't want to repeat past mistakes. And if we keep these important lessons alive, then perhaps we can determine a better future for all of mankind. We've often heard that inscription in relation to those who died in the wars, lest we forget. Our Bibles are full of the words of God, a constant reminder of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It contains words of wisdom, words of teaching, words of encouragement, words of history, and words of warning. Let us not Forget them. And what is it that we remember? What do we remember during our Easter services? Well, firstly, we think about how far mankind has strayed away from God because of our sinful behaviour. This was not the way God wanted us to be. He wanted us to live in a right relationship with him. He created a beautiful garden, and yet sin came into the world. And we've struggled with it ever since. For centuries, God's people have made blood sacrifices of lambs and goats and other animals in an effort to pay the penalty for their sins. Yet they could never be taken away. And so they had to keep coming back with further sacrifices, time and time again. It was only when Jesus died for our sins, which was according to the scriptures, that there was full atonement for our sins. He was the Lamb of God. He was the perfect sacrifice, for in him there was no sin. And he was the only one who could pay the penalty for our sins for all times. It is through faith in him we are justified through the grace of God and the righteousness of Christ which has been assigned to us. He showed us by his death that the way back to the Father was open. The curtain of the temple which separated God from man was rent in two as Jesus on the cross committed his spirit to the Father and breathed his last. And although... Jesus died, and he knew it was the fulfillment of his mission on earth, he felt human emotions and fears for the pain of crucifixion, yet he still went to the cross in obedience to his father. He says in Mark chapter 14, verse 36 Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will but what you will. Three times on the way up to Jerusalem, Jesus had explained to the disciples that he was going there in order to be put to death and that he would rise again after three days. We read in Mark chapter 10, verse 32, that they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Jesus may have been fearful, But he was resolute and striding out in front of the others, determined that his mission would not fail. Jesus was buried and then was raised on the third day again, according to the scriptures. And although alongside him were common criminals, this was not like any other crucifixion. He broke open the tomb. He came back to life. He is alive. Death is defeated. And he showed, through his resurrected body, that he has power over death itself. It was Thomas, wasn't it, who, seeking confirmation that Jesus really had risen from the dead, demanded to see the nail marks on his hands and the wound in his side. It was Thomas who, when Jesus stood before him, was commanded, stop doubting and believe. How often do we wish we could echo those words as we seek to share the gospel truths to non-believers? Stop coming up with 101 reasons to stay as you are, read what it says in the Bible, and believe. Jesus spoke again in answer to Thomas, who asked the question, concerning the way to the Father. Jesus spoke to the disciples to explain he is the only way to the Father. John 14, verse 6, very well-known verse to us. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus spoke to all of us in this very simple statement. I am the way, only through me. Yet, what does this mean? Is it a simple matter of saying, oh, I believe in Jesus, I'm in? No, we know that's not enough. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And it brings us on to our fourth point. Remembrance is a call to action. What is our call to this new way of life? Remembrance on its own is not enough. We are called, when we come together, to commemorate the body given and the blood shed for us and to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We do that at the communion table as we remember his his death and his resurrection. And as we remember, we look to the future with hope for eternity. then we are called to be constant in our worship of the Lord Jesus. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, says in verse 4 of our reading. There is a little abbreviation I came across as I was preparing for tonight, and it's used by some to describe those who come to church uh, as CEO. I don't know if you've ever come across it. Christmas and Easter only. But perhaps we could add that there are also SOs, Sundays only. Our lives spread across seven days of the week and Jesus, the true vine, tells us that we need to stay connected to him at all times. Jesus is saying we need to be JOs, Jesus only. (laughs) And when we are JOs, We're not alone. We are part of and connected to a larger network, the true vine, first verse of our reading, the true vine who is Jesus Christ and who has been planted by our Father, the Creator God. As the body of Christ, we are called to stay together, to live together, to grow together always in Jesus, so that we will bear much fruit through the exercise of the many gifts we have been given. We cannot do it on our own, and we cannot do it when we are apart from him. Instead, our Bibles tell us, we will be discarded and like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And then finally, we need to Remain in his love. We saw on the screen earlier that Jesus has commissioned all believers to go out into the world with the good news of the gospel. The great commission, as it's called, from the end of Matthew's gospel. Baptising them and teaching them. And why should we do this? So that the Father will be glorified. Verse 8 of our reading. But how can we do this? We live in a difficult world where many simply don't want to listen to us. How can we move those who are obstinate, entrenched in the ways of the world? The answer is that it is because of the love Jesus has for us, loving us as the Father loved him. If we are obedient, we remain in that love, true joy, Complete joy comes from obedience to his commands. And in Jesus, we see the one who has the power to move even the coldest heart. Jesus said, there can be no greater love than the love I have shown for you in laying down my life. He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life one's friends you are my friends if you do what i command and that verse that i read there verse 13 of our reading appears on many of the gravestones and the memorials in military cemeteries and i just want to leave you tonight by uh, reading this well-known poem written by major john mcrae in 1915 you're sure you've come across it before and heard it it's called in flanders fields In Flanders fields the poppies blow, between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place, and in the sky the larks, still bravely singing, fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead, short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe, to you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high, if ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. And I want you to look particularly at that last verse. Take up our quarrel with the foe, to you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. Through our Saviour's death on the cross, we have been called to take up the quarrel. We have been thrown the torch by the light of the world. He calls us to hold it high, to shine it into our nation, this Easter time and in the days ahead. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering son. Endless is the victory thou O death has won. Let's sing our final hymn, Thine be the glory. Amen. him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power for forever and ever. Amen. Amen.